following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. We literally are spread everywhere today. We've got a Dave G in the studio. We've got a Trey handling the controls. We've got a Mitch in Rutu Emporia. And we've got yours truly in Dodge City. Welcome to a far-flung edition of the game. Trey, will you please take my audio out of my own ear? <laughs> it's a little distracting to hear the echo coming back. There we go. Oh, my goodness. Welcome to a Thursday afternoon edition of the game. The reason I'm in Dodge for the Dodge City Tournament of Champions, Manhattan High set to match up later tonight with Olathe East. It's the first time that those teams will have ever met. And it comes as the final game of the day here at the United Wireless Arena earlier Wichita Heights, the top-ranked team in 6A, took care of business against Eisenhower, really dominated them, shooting 62% from the field and blew it open with a 32-11 third quarter. Final score was 67-37, a 20 to nothing run at one point for Wichita Heights to gain that advantage. The game that is currently underway, they're getting ready to tip the second half here in Dodge. It's uh, Campus 28, Wichita East, who Manhattan beat earlier this year, 22. Mitch is headed to Emporia. He'll have Manhattan High girls coverage coming up for you this evening. That will be the uh, that will be in front of us here in Dodge City, as he'll have that coverage coming up, a makeup from a game that was to have been played on Tuesday night. Uh, as now you've got the Indians playing back-to-back nights, as they will travel to Stillwell to take on Blue Valley tomorrow night. Here we go again. We've got the horns down. It's not a big deal. If you make it a big deal, it will continue to be a big deal. <laughs> Here we go right. once again. So for those who don't know, apparently UCF players were flashing horns down last night after besting Texas in Austin. And Rodney Terry, the head coach at Texas, took them to task, telling it was classless and to not do that. And he also included an expletive in there. <laughs> That's the part where in I'm the like, handshake line. Wh- why so, why so now, angry? <laughs> I will say this. It's probably not a good look if you are a player for UCF in the handshake line flashing the horns down. But the fact still remains, Texas takes themselves way too damn seriously. And that's why they take the it heat. That's amazes why they take the me heat. that this is even a discussion in 2024. You know, that that's a why university they take thinks that this is some insult. Dave? And that's why they take the heat that they do. 
You know, they're taking themselves so seriously. And it's like, come on, man. If you don't act like it's a big deal, no one's even going to care. But when you pretend it's this egregious thing, that's what happens. Is Then people are going to continue to do it and continue to and continue. Stop acting like it's a big deal. The article today from Caleb Yum in the Austin American Statesman. This paragraph just makes me crack up. It may not mean much to the rest of college football, but for Texas teams and their fans, it's one of the ultimate disrespects. It's a freaking hand signal. One of the ultimate disrespects. How dare you do this hand signal? So we're putting horns down in the same category as flying the bird. At least to a Texas fan. I mean, horns down is so low on the petty trolling list. I it, It's unreal how serious they take themselves. And it never has changed. And it's why the Southwest Conference doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, The thing is, Texas has a few more things to worry about on the hardwood right now. Dave, they lost that game at home. Another one. They dropped another another one. one. You know, like, don't worry about the egregious horns down slash, you know, flip off. No, don't worry about that. Worry about what's going on on the court. That's... You're, that's what you need to be focused in on. because And, by the way, UCF, welcome to the Big 12. Take it down KU and then turn around and take it down Texas. Who are these guys? Yeah. Who are these guys? I don't get it. Coached by Johnny Dawkins, no less. <laughs> that's right. He's like, man, I'm One used to doing this. I'm used to doing this. I, I Right when you think I'm not any good, I come back and take them down, baby. <laughs> so it's a matter of... Now, UCF actually having a better conference record than Texas. Wow. Think about that for a moment. Wow. And for how Texas long? Was, yeah, Texas was in the national rankings. Yeah. And that, that's why. We're with, in the top 10 at one point. For, for how badly they're playing, it's like, how long does UCF continue to have a better record in the Big 12 than Texas? I'm willing to bet it's a lot longer than people originally would have thought. <laughs> I mean, obviously, but yeah. I think it's going to be some time. UCF is playing some pretty good basketball. If you watch that game, they took it to Texas in that second half. It wasn't a fluke. I mean, they really dominated that second half. Yeah, it was a 77-71 final where they just took advantage of where Texas wasn't able to keep up with them. Hammered them. Hammered them in the second half. And that's what I, I find so, I, I guess, it's so intriguing. Uh, who is this UCF team? Really, I say it again. Who are mm-hmm. these guys? Because they just look so solid in the second half of ball games here. Craig Bowles, or sorry, Chris Bowles. Kirk Bowles. How about that? Jeez. <laughs> uh, the columnist at the Austin American Statesman. One of the legends, if you will, in the Big 8, Big 12 years. Um, Headlined his piece today. 
as Texas basketball season teeters on edge. Oh, my gosh. Rodney Terry must fix this team now. Ooh-hoo. Are we, is it officially now three games, four games in for them or three? What is it? I mean, come on, man. Teetering on the edge? Oh, man. Four, four games into the conference season. <laughs> but a year ago, let's remember, you had all of the upheaval with Chris Beard being ousted. Rodney Terry took that position over on an interim basis. And he coached them well. Deep into the NCAA tournament. Played without Dylan Disu in the tournament. And in many people's eyes, earned himself the head coaching job. He did. Yeah, he did. I had my doubts. This is a guy who struggled at UTEP. I couldn't understand why Texas would want him as a head coach. Right. You think maybe it was um, that crop of upperclassmen um, possibly that were really just really liked him and really, really uh, responded to him and his coaching style. And we can't discount the fact that there is just something about an interim head coach you know that they like more times than not the teams just really rally behind, and you rally behind a guy and you already have um, you know that that step up in athleticism that step up in player, and good things can happen when you're playing hard, and it doesn't really matter you know it wouldn't matter if it was him or someone else but these guys are really playing hard, and now we come back a season later and it sure looks like he finessed the bag. From Texas. Because it's not going well there at all. Conversation that I was hearing on my drive down here. And they were discussing that Terry is a good coach. But that his recruiting lacks. And to me that, you know, I get that. It makes sense. But then you look at the product on the floor this year for them. 14-2 and in the non-conference. But how good of a non-con was it? They're one in three now Oof. in the Big 12. Oof. One in three. Oof. That, uh, let me, this, did you look up at all the um, the Texas non-conference? Um, well, I know one team that they beat. You'll laugh at that one. Uh-oh. Just because. Uh-oh. No, don't tell me. Don't tell me it was the Bears. Don't tell oh, yeah, me it, it was, was my oh, Bears. Oh, no. Okay. We've got UIW. We've got Delaware. Uh, Incarnate Word. Yep. Um, Delaware State. Rice. Uh, Louisville, which uh, they beat by one point. Which should tell you something because <laughs> Louisville's not good. No, they're terrible. Uh, UConn was their one one of their losses. Um Wyoming, Texas State, Marquette is their other loss, um, non-con, but and they got buried. It's eighty-six, sixty-five. I mean, they got crushed. Yeah, and Houston Christian—that's a nobody. Uh, LSU, uh, Corpus Christi, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. Oh boy, um, UNCG, um, Ar- Texas Arlington, and then we start. Um, then we start the. Uh, 
the Big 12, which even their win against Cincinnati was a one-point win. Yes. West Virginia beat them by three. Oh, my goodness. It is not good in uh, in Austin right now. Not good at all. Oh, no. They are sitting right now, if you start looking at quad one, quad two wins, a total of two. Oof. Oh, They're two no. and four. Oh, no. No, no, Bold's no, Bold's no. assessment was this. The cause of death, unnatural causes. <laughs> Is what he said. <laughs> the symptoms were a gross lack of leadership in crunch time, a bad case of defensive lapses, a clear shortage of toughness, poor fundamentals, and an inability to finish games. <laughs> the coroner's report is rough, man. What a rough spot. But other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, we got a little history humor for you on the game today. Well, you know, it's kind of there. Yeah. It's kind of there. Absolutely. And yet, and yet, after the game, what is the head coach of Texas's number one worry? Yeah. A hand gesture. The, a hand gesture. Ugh. Horns down. You know, it's. I know it's frustration. I mean, we can all understand that it's leaking out, you know, it's into other things. Uh, I'm sure if he could have that moment back, he would. Um, it was just a, such a terrible look. Such a terrible look, especially cursing at the guys. I mean, come on, man. Come on. And uh, so much of that comes back down to Texas believes it should be the bully on the block. Yep. Yep. It yep. believes itself to be above and beyond everybody else, and there's that SEC membership coming their way. To prove that next year. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, I, I just, uh, it, it, it's exasperating. It is. And it that's is what, when exasperating. You, when you want to be the bully, that's what, that comes with the territory. When you get beat, people are going to rub it in. That's how it works, man. That's how it works. Okay. I'm and, sorry. And then for you to lecture them. I know. I know. Um, and this again. To me, Rodney Terry is a work in progress with that job. Sure. I just don't see that succeeding at the end of the day because he's not able to fully cover the uh, void that they have in certain areas. Right. With what he's got. Right. And they're going to demand more. You know, it didn't used to be this way about Texas basketball. <laughs> Once upon but, a time. <laughs> right. Right. But when you get into their history in the Big 12, and especially the Rick Barnes era, Rick. they began to put themselves into that discussion where, hey, this is going to be able to match football in terms of getting the attention and being a driver for fans. And fans have bought in. Yeah. They have. And, and beyond that, the, the state of high school basketball in Texas has improved. And when you look at how the coaching has gone for the Longhorns over these last few years, you know, they have put themselves in a very strong position mm -hmm. up until now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's where I have, you know, I, I just sit here and I shake my head where the Rodney Terry hiring didn't make sense to me. 
it just didn't because, again, you hired a guy that was cast off from UTEP. Oof. I didn't know that. It, oh. You know, but, but I, I, you know, I, I've said the similar thing about Porter Moser. Let's be perfectly honest. <laughs> I never saw him succeeding at Loyola of Chicago the way that he did, given the way that his tenure at two different schools in the Missouri Valley Conference back in the day went. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet he parlayed it into a gig at Oklahoma. Right. And has them playing well right now. Right. I, I, will, I will give him credit. He's a much different coach than what he was when he first began as a head coach. And maybe that's that's a case of growing. Maybe that's a case of being completely different Sure. than what he was in those days. It's in, going to be tough for Rodney Terry to prove that he's not the same guy who got cast off at Utah. Right. And your mistakes, you know, it's uh, Rodney Terry maybe should have went from UTEP to a, something a little less under the microscope and in the spotlight than Texas. You know, he, maybe he could have cut his teeth at a Loyola Chicago and kind of found himself in that situation instead of now he's got to find himself in, you know, a job where all eyes are on you all the time. And when that and things right. like this happen, it is front ESPN.com news <laughs> all day, every day. And yeah. down being an insult. <laughs> oh my God, people, get over yourselves. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so our far flung edition of the game will be continuing in a moment. We got a little more information as to why TCU's women weren't able to go last night against K State. And it makes sense when you start to actually look at what has happened to this roster. We'll talk about that coming back next on the game. Keeping an eye on a game that's now in the fourth quarter here at United Wireless Arena. It is the Tournament of Champions, Manhattan High, coming up later tonight to match up with Olathe East. We'll have the coverage for you here on News Radio KMAN. It's the back half of a Manhattan High doubleheader. The Indian girls are at Emporia tonight. Mitch Fortner will be joining us in a bit as he will have coverage of that contest this evening here on News Radio KMAN. Dave G is in the studios. Travion is handling things at the controls. Yes, we are a far-flung group today as we come to you on the game. Uh, just of note, campus leading in this one with about six minutes to play over Wichita East, 46-40. The winner of this game will uh, draw the winner of that Manhattan Olathe East contest that comes up later tonight. Uh, the other game then that is in front of us tonight, 7 o'clock tip, God City against Mays here at United Wireless Arena. Here's the tough part if you're Manhattan. You win tonight, and you play at 2.30 already tomorrow. You've got the late game tonight, and a 2.30 tip if you win. It's even worse, a 1 o'clock tip if you lose. That's just the bad way that this slate has been laid out. The intent, of course, to give Dodge City uh, either of the spots tomorrow night in primetime, whether it's the 6 o'clock or the late contest tomorrow night. No matter which side of the bracket they're on, they wind up getting an opportunity to uh, play in front of the home fans at night, and they'll say, weird schedule quirk, if you will, for Manhattan High, no matter the outcome of the game tonight. We talked at length yesterday about the situation with the TCU women's basketball team 
and not being able to field enough players to match up with K-State last evening or Iowa State coming up in the uh, in the weekend slate of contests. And there's been a lot of derision, and, and, and some on my part even for that entire situation, because you look at it and it just it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't smell right. But I got a rundown today of exactly how this has played out through the course of this year. And you have to remember that you are looking at a team that had a coaching change after last season and found itself with a good number of transfers out. And while they began the season with 14 scholarship players, the injuries have mounted. Dave G, if I had to ask, if I if I put a number on it, what would you say would be the number of healthy players TCU currently has? Fully healthy. Fully healthy with me knowing, like like with, with me knowing the information I know right now. Um, if I if I had to guess, knowing that they they're holding open trials, I would say five. You're not far off. Four. Oh, God. Oh, four healthy people? Four healthy players. Oh. Fully healthy players. Do you have a couple of others that are on minute limitations because of previous injuries where they're not 100% yet in coming back from those injuries? You have then, of course, the number of players that are out for the season. Oof. 14 scholarship players to begin the year. They lost Sedona Price in the opening minutes at Baylor. They had lost one player at the start of the season because of an injury. And Stephen Johnson at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram laid it out in that they were down to a total of six scholarship players as a number of players actually also sustained injuries in practice on Tuesday. Oh, no. Oh. Starting point guard Jaden Owens announced a torn, or, uh, suffered a torn ACL against Houston on Saturday. You're getting the idea here. Jeez. There's some bad how juju. Did this, how did this team get to 14-0? and 0? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, because um, you think that a couple have already been banged up, you said, so, you know, they're just getting through the season, and they're like, hey, you know, regular kind of thing. People get hurt. You got a couple extra got hurt. You know, it's one of those things that happens. Now they're down to four. Four, four healthy. Four truly healthy players Jeez. and two that are on minutes restrictions still. Oh, my God. Okay, I take back everything I said and thought. Uh, it, 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 it's it, it's perfect storm. Yeah. It's a perfect storm. You cannot plan for... Oof. You cannot plan for having over half of your team go down with injuries that are taking them out for any length of time. No. And you know that there's, like, the injuries in practice are, you know, it's just a, an accident, you know, an accidental thing. And you, like you said, you can't prepare for that. When you're down to six or seven, I mean, you can't say we're not having practice. You know, you still have to go do stuff. But, I mean, 
you know, at this point, what do you do? Do you say, hey, we're just going to do walkthroughs or shoot around? Is that, I mean, what, what are you supposed to do with that? That's about all you can do is, uh-huh. is it, it, you know, you, you get the managers out there and do like has been done for years in terms of bringing on male managers to practice with the with the team. But you're still not getting a good practice in, and you've still got to fill out a fifth spot on the on the floor somehow. Yeah, and those managers better watch out; they might get injured. We can't even. We don't have to have yeah. a managers team out here, man. These guys getting hurt too. There's something yeah, going, going on. I I I am I'm absolutely floored by this because I have never heard of a team losing essentially. Ten players due to injuries. No, I was trying to in think. In the course of a season. No, I, I was trying to think. Besides COVID, um, what if is there a similar situation? I have never heard of this before. And remember, no. we thought everybody thought, okay, there's something else going on. It's oddly kind of refreshing to know that it, it's just the injuries. But then on the on top of that, you feel so bad. You feel so bad for the whole program. The girl, you know, the the women, the coaches, the fans, everybody. You feel so bad for it, but it's nice to know that it wasn't something super nefarious or weird. You know, it's just insane amounts of injuries. It looks bad because you've got two ranked teams that are literally right there in front of them yes. on the schedule. Yes, back to back, having to match up with K State, then Iowa State, both in the top twenty-five this week. Right. You already had them. Two games ago, taking on number 10 Texas. At the time, number 10 Texas. So, you know, it's not as if uh, that schedule gets any easier for them. It does in a little aspect in that once you get past the Iowa State game, they don't have another ranked team on the schedule, at least for the moment. UCF, Texas Tech, Kansas, Oklahoma. None of whom are ranked for the moment. Ooh, okay. So now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I take that back. OU is, uh, or was, a couple of weeks back, but they're not now. The The point being, though, is that you just, you know, th- there is a stretch here where things can turn a little bit for them, but the key is that they've got to get healthy. And, yeah, talk about the absolute worst timing to have that many injuries rack up. Yeah, And, you know, Mitch was saying something yesterday that um, it's the – the season-long injuries are their best players. Is that right? Their their key yes. players are the ones who are out for the whole season. That's terrible. Even when they do start to get healthy, you it's not like you gain back like a superstar. You're just getting back, you know, role players. If, 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 if that's me saying, I don't know anything about the players, but um, it sounds like their best players have been lost for the whole season. That's awful. Yeah, and and. When that happens, you see a team that a year ago won only once in conference play, now stuck in a position to try to have to piece things together, and they're looking at a second straight, maybe oh. one win conference season. Oh, no. Even after starting 14-0 and overall. Oh, no. Things looked so bright at one time. Yes. Oh, no. It's, it, it is an unbelievable story. 
Yeah. That is someone is going to have to write at some point. <laughs> Bring on the 30 for 30. That's what I'm Bring- saying. <laughs> <laughs> we got to have one. This is too good. Oh. Here's the other tidbit of the day that I heard regarding Big 12 basketball that, that rang so familiar to me. It took West Virginia 10 hours to travel to Norman for their game last night. Whoa. The day before, it took them 10 hours because of the snow on the East Coast. They weren't able to fly out of Morgantown. Instead, they had to get over to Pittsburgh, which is a 90-minute drive, and got delayed out of Pittsburgh. Wow. So they had no practice time. And the reason it it sticks with me, or, you know, the reason why that stands out to me, I remember having to go into Morgantown with that type of a situation. (laughs) How did it go for your your end? Um, Busing from Detroit. (laughs) No. Literally, yeah, we got delayed getting out of Des Moines. We had played at Northern Iowa on a Saturday afternoon, bust back to Des Moines to stay the night so that we were right there at the airport. Get to the airport the next morning, get delayed, and our flight out of Detroit to Pittsburgh went on without us. No. No. So it put, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So we bust from Detroit to Morgantown. Oh, God. Never again. I will say this. I was impressed with the uh, turnpike stop in Ohio that we made. Um, You know, in Kansas, we get McDonald's and Godfather's Pizza. In Ohio, it was Panera Panera and DQ. Hey, nice. Okay. Those are some good selections out there. That's nice. (laughs) Needless to say, both were frequented. People ate well for their meal, but yeah. made sure they got dessert. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys got to see uh, a part of the country that not everyone gets to enjoy, you know. That's something oh else. Oh, my. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Uh, so, yes, TCU with uh, decent uh, reason for not playing last night against K-State, as frustrating yeah. as it was for uh, especially the Cat fans who had tickets to see them last night in DFW. We continue on the game with more in a moment. Troy Coverdale still with you from United Wireless Arena in Dodge City. Dave G. back in Manhattan. We'll hear from Mitch Fortner in a bit. Travion handling our controls today on the game. Um, um, I'm to I, rub it in. I'm, I'm, I'm in Dodge. Yeah, right. I, I'm here, man. I'm right behind you. You can't see me? I'm waving my hands here. <laughs> I'm just going to point this out. Not to taunt anybody, but it is a balmy 45 degrees here. No. <laughs> no way. Are you serious? Travion, look up the weather. Oh, my God. Did you say also you were you ate something? You ate, you ate eating a burger we can't get in Manhattan? Yes, that would be correct. Is it a Brahms? Mm, yeah, that oh would be correct, yes. Dude, 
Okay, that's all we got for from Dodge. We are going to be cutting into. <laughs> oh man! Uh, you know when when you when uh, when in Rome, when anyway, in Rome, so when in yeah. Rome, or or more appropriately in this case, when not in Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. Um. Did you see today who the uh, pregame entertainers are going to be? I shouldn't say entertainers per se, but. The pregame anthem folks will be for the Super Bowl. I did. Do you think anyone uh, do you, is this the safest pick possibly they could have ever made, or, or what do you think? Uh, I find the America the Beautiful singer an interesting pick. Post Malone. Oh, I didn't. For America oh, the Beautiful. Oh, I didn't see that. All I saw was Reba. Yes. That is a tremendously safe pick. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I will not argue that point whatsoever. Yeah. It is a very safe pick. Reba McIntyre will be the national anthem singer this year, which means that it will be drawn out to probably about 210. <laughs> and I say that as a Reber fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Did you ever? Did you like um, the show? Did you like the TV show, the Re- the Reba McIntyre show? You know, I've seen bits and pieces over the years. I just never was really big into watching it. Right? It's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. okay. Uh, the fact is, though, that you know, she is she is definitely a personality. Yes. And if you have never heard about the prank wars between her and Kip Brooks and Ronnie Dunn of Brooks and Dunn. Ooh! When they were on tours together, you need to find to to research them because they all were. Oh, they yeah, they would go at each other with all kinds of pranks. Oh yes, and you know, and so Reba's so sweet that she can get other people to help her like really easily. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. So, yeah, you know, do a little digging, and you will find out that yes, Reba even does have a little bit of a, a prankster streak in her. <laughs> That's awesome! I can't wait to look that up. That's good. Andra Day will perform "Lift Every Voice and Sing." Um, and as we said, Post Malone will perform "America the Beautiful," which again I find is a very interesting pick. Yeah, I would not have put him for "America the Beautiful." Oh, I, I just. Not not one I would have seen coming. Wow. Yeah, but that's that is what the pregame will break down as. Wow. And they and that was announced today, right? That was announced today. Yep. Oh my god! Amid a, a lot of different, a lot of NFL stuff came out today. By the way, um, but yeah, this <laughs> is uh, <laughs> they snuck this in on me. I I saw the Reba stuff, but yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. What was the other uh, other thing that caught your attention, NFL wise? I got a couple here today the, uh, to dig into in a minute. The Cardinals, that shakeup, oh, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. yeah, that I, it was right here on my list. Um, if you thought that the most woefully managed franchise in the NFL might have actually gotten its act together <laughs> when it made an appearance in the Super Bowl a few years back. Um, no, 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 <laughs> they're, 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 they're still owned by the Bidwells. And so, you know, they, they never will get it together. No. And so the Bidwells are just so thankful that there's the Ursa, Jim Ursay out there 
that they oh. don't, you know, like, and his story too is pretty insane as well. Uh, not to make light of any of his struggles, but the Bidwells, I mean, they're, you know, they've got a lot going on as well, but they don't grab the headlines that Jim Ursay seems to grab. No. No, and in this case, Ursay found unresponsive at his home in December. That That is worrisome Absolutely. for a man who has had his problems with alcoholism. Absolutely. He's uh, obviously still struggling and still suffering, and so I, I hope that with his, uh, you know, amazing resources, I hope he can get some help uh, because, uh, uh, you know, f- them finding him unresponsive is so scary. That That's terrifying to think about. Per the report by ESPN, Ursay actually received a dose of Narcan. Wow. So they've not disclosed officially what substance may have caused him an issue, but they went ahead and utilized Narcan to try to revive him. He had been prescribed a number of different medications, and so it's initially unclear what exact substance he had taken before being found in distress. And that's a whole nother discussion as far as, you know, people with that kind of wealth, the ability to to get their hands on a lot of different stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's awful. I really, I hope he gets help. I really, really hope he gets help. That is terrifying to, to read. So let's touch on the Bidwell thing for a moment because the Cardinals find themselves in a really messy situation now. Yes. They've moved the majority of their non-football operations out of their longtime practice facility into a nearby workspace, which I find very odd. (laughs) But now they turned around and laid off as many as 10 people today, including their chief financial officer. And he had been there for almost 20 years. Yeah. So um, this sure kind of looks like a team that's leaving. I don't know. <laughs> you know I, don't, I know I don't, there's been no talk of that. And I know that um, when a team relocates, there's got to be everybody has to vote on it. And it usually gets out a little earlier than, than people want. But um, and, and I know that. I'm sure that the deal with that stadium, which is spectacular, is, is a good deal and everything, but this sure looks like a team that's on the move. I don't know why it struck me so strange, though, that they, they just kind of fired everybody. It There's there's no rumbling about a move for them. Yeah. They, they, they are effectively locked in where they need to be. Right. For a franchise that has already moved twice. Right. Uh, for those who don't know the history, they were the Chicago Cardinals mm-hmm. before they became the St. Louis Cardinals, before they became the Arizona Cardinals. And didn't they spend a season or two as the Phoenix Cardinals? They did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and found that it didn't market well. <laughs> oh, imagine that. Right? <laughs> um the thing to note beyond that is that it just plays up. And, and through the entirety of this moving that they have made from Chicago to St. Louis, now to Arizona, and up to this point, they have been owned by one family. 
one family the entire time, mm-hmm. the Bidwells. Mm-hmm. They still don't know how to manage a football team in the NFL. That's what the it, yeah, it's oh, sorry. unreal. The, Still worth $3.8 billion, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's the most important part of the whole thing. <laughs> you know, I, and I, I kind of forgot. They, they kind of touched on it in the uh, ESPN article. They they have, this is after months after that investigation into the toxic work, workplace culture. Yes. And, you know, former current employees um, and, and what they shared with investigators. It's like, okay. You got rid of all these top guys. That's definitely, you know, seemed like a, a, a smart move. But you still got the top guy owning the comp, you know, the franchise. Yeah, um, and yeah. he's supposed to be the guy that's the worst of uh, out of all of them. So, <laughs> what are you gonna? I mean, how do you tell the owner to stay away? At this point, which franchise is the worst managed? Carolina, Washington, or Arizona? Oh boy. Okay. So I'm gonna and let's put and let's put the Bears in fourth. Oh boy! Oh, good night. Um, so I think you got to go Commanders at four, as in the le- like the 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 best because they're they have new ownership. So I'm True. I'm just gonna say I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt, even though they've earned none. Um, I think after that. That is a real race for the bottom <laughs> of the toilet bowl. Oh no, the Bears! Would the Bears? I mean, they did fleece Carolina. Um, yes, you know. So I guess they get um, points for that. But this whole thing with them in the off season is, you know, with not um, really committing to Justin Fields here yeah. recently. It's kind of like. Boy, bears, you're just going to keep on bearing, you know? <laughs> oh, hey. oh, hey, there's a mention of a potential offensive coordinator hire there, Cliff Kingsbury. No. Oh, no. Yeah, I heard heard that rumor today. Oh, air raid coming to Chicago, everybody. Look out. Spin the wheel. Here we go. <laughs> hey, uh, we're headed for the top of the hour. Want to note, uh, Wichita East just won their game here with campus to move into the winner's bracket and drop campus to the loser's bracket. Manhattan High's outcome will see them play one of those two teams tomorrow here in Dodge City. The early game again went the way of Wichita Heights as they hammered Eisenhower 67-37. We'll bring in one Mitch Fortner as we get the next hour underway on our far-flung edition of The Game after a check of the news.